Friends, you ever get that sneaking suspicion that there's something else God has for you that you haven't quite found your spot? Our guest today says you've got to quit playing small. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 311, Andrew McWilliams and Learning Abundance. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so glad that you have joined us. Thank you so much for downloading. Uh, I just learned there's like 4 million podcasts out there. Those stats are a little nuanced, but the point is you have a lot of choices. You downloaded Halfway There, so thanks for doing that. I'm glad that you're here. This is going to be a really great conversation if you enjoy it, well, when you enjoy it, will you go and do me just one of two things for me? Either go ahead and just share it with a friend, just put it on social media, tag me, tag Halfway There Podcast. I would love that, love to see that kind of thing. Or if you're able to go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, click that Patreon button, help support the show. Little as $5. It doesn't, doesn't matter how, how much. It just means a lot to me that you're supporting the show. Thanks to those of you who are already doing that. It means so much every single month. So thank you. Uh, Let's jump into our conversation. I'm very excited uh, to have this conversation today. Uh, Our guest, he's the founder of the McWilliams Group, real estate group, Um, Andrew McWilliams and Andrew McWilliams Coaching. So he is an achiever. So achieving top 1% success uh, or status among uh, REMAX agents internationally. That's amazing. And I got to ask about how, how that goes, because I'm guessing that's mostly about mindset as much and hustle. Maybe I guess we'll find out. Um, so he's guided many new seasoned agents to success, sharing philosophy, lessons, and principles. And he's, uh, contributed to a new book called think big. So we'll talk about that as well. Our guest is Andrew McWilliams. Andrew, welcome to halfway there. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) I'm glad that you are here. Thanks for, just hopping on to share a little bit of your story. Okay, so that's a, those are some of your big accomplishments. But tell me a little bit about kind of who you are and where God has you right now. Well, I am a husband, father, uh, entrepreneur, um, and um, you know, and, and at a point, honestly, where uh, I'm I'm looking forward to you know the next ten years and and what God has for mm-hmm. me and and where things might go. Let's dive into your story a little bit. You said something interesting to me just a moment ago that you said, you said, I used to be evangelical, whatever, whatever that means, right? <laughs> so let's dive into that. Like, where did you grow up and uh, was it a Christian family? Yes. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Northeast Georgia. Um, I teased that I took Daisy Duke to the prom um, <laughs> because, uh, and I, and I really didn't know where they, uh, uh, they filmed the Dukes of Hazard show. If anybody's familiar with that, if you're old enough. Uh, I, I know I know where the house is, where, you know, whoever the grandpa, whatever his name was, his house. And uh, yeah, so, you know, dirt roads and back backwoods and and that type of thing. Um, the outside of Atlanta by about 60 miles is, is where I grew up, small town, USA. And um, at the time, uh, well, I actually, when I was born, we were attending a church that was ultra conservative. Uh, I think it's a uh, almost like an Anabaptist type thing. And they had, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then we, we got really modern and went to the Southern Baptist convention and became very <laughs> liberal uh, okay. at the Southern Baptist church. That was really liberal um, for where we started. Um, and so, and that's where I learned that uh, along the way that you actually had a relationship with Jesus and not just, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I, I, we went to the church where 
you walk the aisle uh, and then give your, you know, and so they, there would be the altar call and so forth. And I was baptized in a pond with goldfish swimming around my feet uh, when I was eight years old. That's fun. And so that's all kind of, that's kind of the start. But when I was in high school, I learned that that was actually like a relationship that you could have and uh, that kind of thing. And that was in the Southern Baptist Church. And uh, so I was there for a while and and then kind of continued to go. Yeah. Tell me that story. How did you learn that it was a relationship? What what happened? What was your, was there an incident so, or like a Yeah, moment? no, there was actually um, the youth pastor at the church that I attended. Um, I remember... There was a there was maybe a couple of different things, but Henry Blackaby uh, years ago wrote a, a study guide called "Experiencing God." I don't know, thirty years ago, forty years ago, whatever that was, and um, and so going through that study guide um, really gave me the idea that you know you should pray and you should talk to Jesus and you should you know that kind of thing instead of just getting saved against hell and then, uh, or say, you know, from hell and, um, uh, and, you know, and then trying to be a good person, you know, that's kind of what, uh, you know, then you, you know, get saved and then do good. And then, you know, everything's okay after that, but that there was a lot more to it. So that was, I, I credit that to the youth pastor mm-hmm. and, and that, that study guide. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I, so the thing I remember from that study most was the, um, he makes this point that your job is to see what God's doing and, and join him. Join him. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I think is so beautiful. Right. Yeah. And um, unfortunately when I was, you know, around that time, I, I was kind of taught that there was this perfect will for your life, or maybe that's just what I gained. Maybe that's what I heard. And so it was kind of like, you know, you could screw up by marrying the wrong person. You could screw up by taking the wrong job. You could screw up by, you know, there's, it was like this, it was almost like this, you know, uh, you know, jungle adventure of finding the right path. And uh, you could get, uh, you know, you could get off sideways and right. then really become a failure, you know? And so it's sort of finding God's perfect will for your life. And it was like, there was only one thing that that was, you know? And so you had to, you, you didn't want to miss it, you know, didn't want to mess up. Yeah. And get, so did you have a lot of anxiety because of that? I don't know that I had a lot of anxiety, but I just, then I began to look for that thing, you know, it was like the one thing, you know, and um, there was a period of time where um, I was going to be a pastor. And actually I, for 13 years, I was a professional minister with churches. That's kind of my first career, I guess you'd say. And I said, I helped out with a church plant when I was in college. And so that was the thing, right? That's what I was going to be and do. Um, and then several years later, I had a very traumatic experience, um, you know, while being on a church staff and running into uh, a difference of a philosophy or a difference of perspective, I guess. And it really crushed me. So I, so after that, I had to spend a couple of years because I thought that there was this one path and then I had failed on the one path. And the people who were really mm. smart and knew what they were doing on the one path told me I didn't belong. And so I was like, well, I have to go. So I, I just spent a couple of years, what I call mist and fog, wandering around trying to find an identity for myself because I'd had, I'd had this trajectory where I was going to be a certain thing and, and, and have a certain amount of success at this one thing. And, um, and then that blew up on me. So that whole God's perfect will blew up and, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the girl that I thought I was going to marry that didn't work out. And the, the career that I thought I was going to have that didn't work out. And so I had to go find myself that took a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Those are the kind of stories that I want to hear. So we'll dive into that, but I want to set the stage a little bit by talking about the ways that you were sort of, um, 
I mean, we can say discipled or the ways, the messages that you were getting. So I look at the spiritual journey as kind of these four stages. That's my simplification of it. But you, so you met Jesus and as a kid and, and discovered it's a relationship in high school. And then you said, okay, you moved in that stage of kind of learning the ways of Jesus, which you thought were going into ministry, right? That was part yes. of it. So describe some of that and some of those moments for you when you, when you said, oh, when you realized you wanted to be go into ministry, whether you felt that was a calling or not or whatever, like to describe some of that for us. And then maybe some of the moments where God that were significant with the Lord in, in that season. Yeah. So um, I think I really looked up to really good. Um, I, I guess I would say teaching pastors or, or the mm-hmm. pastors of the church. And, and I've, I've, you know, going to youth retreats and things like that, and you get that spiritual high and you make that commitment and, and I felt like I was supposed to be uh, some type of a leader. And, but that came into, you know, for me as a youth, I was like, okay, so I'm either going to be a youth pastor, a worship leader, or a pastor. And then I went to a church though, also that also had like a business administration slot, like, you know, whoever, pastor of business, whatever that was. And so I, so I felt like there was like four slots. If I'm going to be a leader in the church, there's four slots to fit into. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really musical. So the worship leader's out. And even though I was a youth, I didn't really enjoy being with youth. So that was kind of out. Um, And then I didn't know that I was going to be a good enough teacher to be a teaching pastor, you know, on the level of what I thought was excellence. And so then I thought, well, shoot, maybe I'm going to be a, you know, administrator in a church. Um, And so I actually, in college, I went to uh, college at Georgia State University, and I majored in public and urban affairs with a nonprofit administration interest because I thought I was just going to go be some administrator at a church somewhere because that was the slot that I fit into. Um, And so that's kind of, you know, process of elimination, I guess, in that regard, but also just feeling like a calling to be a leader or maybe a difference maker of some kind, but then looking at myself at that point and saying, I don't fit any of the things that I see in front of me. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Uh, Okay. So how did that affect you when you, when you thought, I don't really fit, but I feel like I'm a leader. You, you pursued it anyway. Yeah, I pursued it anyway. And I guess I was listening to people who were, they were kind of defining, um, you know, they, they were kind of defining what that path would be for me, whether that was my, my family, whether that was uh, kind of mentors in the church. Uh, I was, Mm. you know, kind of mentored by, uh, the Southern Baptists have, uh, uh, they have like the international missions and then they have the home missions. They called it the home mission board at the time. I don't know if it's still called that, but uh, there was a, there was someone that was with the home mission board that was kind of mentoring me. Um, and so I was kind of letting other people put me in a box kind of, or, or put me into a path, I would say, um, you know, and, and just saying, okay, well, that must, maybe that's right. Or maybe this is right. Or, you know, I, I think it was just, um, you know, again, if you go back to that, you know, discovering God's perfect will, it's a path. And so, you know, I was letting other people help me, you know, pursue this path. Yeah. Which I think is kind of how it goes, right? Like as a, as a young person, you don't know, right? You don't know the difference and and you don't, and you're being counseled and you're, it's wise to take counsel from from people who have been there. Uh, But, you know, I can relate to that to some extent. I've been reflecting recently about how where I grew up, it was not, you, it wasn't safe to become an artist. You know what I mean? Like to mm. be somebody who could do that because that was, all, that was risky. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the mess. One of the messages I got was, "Hey, you should not want to be an. I want to be an actor. I don't. I don't know if I was any good, but maybe you know who knows. I could yeah. be there. But right. but that wasn't safe. And so pe- the message was always, "Well, you better have a backup plan, right? Mm-hmm. When really people make money at being an actor." every day or being an right. artist every day. There's just, it's just, that wasn't where you were. So you kind of, sounds like you got some similar things. Like well, you should be, you should be a ministry. If you have a leadership gift, you should be a ministry. You should be working at the church, things like that. Right. And, and it also came from success. I mean, I would be put in certain situations and I would be successful in those situations. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like, okay, well that's, you know, and, and also fun, you know, you had fun doing things. And, and so I did learn that, you know, at a point, um, I ended up teaching and I think, uh, at a, uh, and being, you know, on Sunday, you know, Sunday morning at the big church. And, you know, I think one time there was like 1400 people at the church or so forth and preaching in front of that group and the adrenaline and the fun. And, and so those were, those were neat things and they reinforced some of it. Um, but again, I just, you know, it was, it was a matter of categories and thinking that, you know, I had to be within a category because that was, that was kind of what was in front of me. I mean, I guess you could have been a seminary professor. That's another something, but I never saw myself as an academic. And um, so, yeah, I, but I, and I don't want to discount the people that mentored me because I, obviously they were, they were shaping me and there's, there's a lot of positive from that. It's just, it's just my own inability to, you know, it just took a long, long time uh, to figure things out and, and to, uh, uh, you know, and to learn who I was. I mean, that's, I think the, the, you know, you have to get to the point of understanding who you are and then you can start you know, going in that direction. And that's something that I don't think, I don't know what age that is. Um, For me, it was after that, you know, kind of, you know, leaving that one church position um, in that two-year period of, you know, I reached out to some of the, my, you know, uh, some of the area pastors in Denver that I had known me during, when I was in the staff position and, you know, had coffee and lunch and whatever, and and they kind of helped me through some of it. But um, yeah, you went from having, you know, well, this must be right um, because you see a limit on what those opportunities are, those categories. And then, but you don't necessarily, um, but then they're not exactly right. You know, they don't, they're not that they, they don't, they're not as fulfilling or, you know, it doesn't fit you as well as, uh, what God has created you to be. So. Right. Yeah. So it's still a little bit uncomfortable. It sounds like it's like, this is, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, uncomfortable looking for acceptance, uh, with people who were that I put on a pedestal kind of a thing, um, looking for affirmation, uh, feeling like a, you know, that outsider complex, I felt like an outsider a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, you know, finding a tribe of folks and so forth, it was, it was, it was something that I didn't find that. And then I didn't understand why. And so then it was probably just my fault or, you know, Right. It was me. <laughs> right. So then you got, you know, so that's, that's where I would, I would feel inadequate. Right. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Okay. So you said eventually this kind of fell apart and you had to, this sent you into, I think we can call it a dark night of the soul. It sounds like yeah. without, you, you don't have to get into all, all those details, but it, was there something that um, like, what was it for you? Was it a loss of identity when that fell apart or how, how does that, how that work? Yeah, it really was because I had a pretty pretty laid out identity. I was I was going to be a, a you know a leader in the church. I was you know probably going to pastor uh, you know some kind of a mega church or something. That's I know that's what one of the the mentors had in mind for me. And 
uh, you know, kind of grooming me to be a leader in, you know, in the denomination and this and that. And, um, um, and then when the things that I felt were successful, um, so I was in a, in a, in a pastoral staff position and I felt like at the time, um, I was struggling to have good conversations with people outside the church because when people figured out which church, like I was a pastor one, and then which church I was a pastor at, then they would kind of clam up because they had a lot of definition around who I was and what that meant and what the church was. And, um, and so I felt like there was this bar and this hindrance. And so I started doing some things that at the time I thought were new and different, and they actually were, I mean, they became more, more and more churches did them, but you know, like the coffee house kind of vibe and, you know, that was back when post-modernity was hitting the scene and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, and, and reaching people in different ways. And so I had had some success in my, in my ministry area of the staff. And I went to a staff retreat feeling like, you know, I was going to be supported and affirmed and actually like congratulated. And, and it, they, it was just a, you know, I got submarined at the retreat and was not doing the things that they wanted me to do and so forth and so on. And it, and it really kind of destroyed me because all this that I had felt like, yes, what I thought was my identity had just been rejected by all the people that I thought were doing it really well and knew what they were talking about. Um, and I was in my 20s, so I was probably, I don't know, you know, 25, 26, somewhere mm-hmm. in there and um, and came in on this kind of, you know, spiritual and emotional high thinking that I just, we just had a retreat with my ministry and things were going really well. And we had some people make some decisions and different things like that. And I thought that was going to be like an attaboy kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, it was, it happened at, uh, at uh, there was a conference room in this retreat center. And I remember all the staff were sitting around the table and everyone started studying their feet, uh, as I was getting, you know, destroyed, oh. <laughs> uh, because it was there, they just, you know, and, and so, yes, it was a loss of identity because at that point, I had no idea who I was. I had wow. no idea because the things that I felt were true um, were rejected. Absolutely. So, you know, you're, so I was thinking, wow, you know, so again, it must be me, right? Because yeah. they're the ones that are right. They have success. They're the ones in the positions of, you know, uh, experience and authority and power and whatever else. And um, so then I'm the one with the problem, right? So I, I, I quit. I resigned about a month later. Okay, so I got, I got, I want, I want to hear that story, but I got to ask a couple of questions because I think you said some things that were interesting there. One is it's also a bit of a loss of, well, it is, a, it's a huge loss of community, right? So the people who you probably thought you were brothers and sisters with, and this is our, you know, we're we're fighting together because we're all on staff together, didn't defend you, or they didn't, they didn't. No, I was kind of a. Well, you know, the thing was, I was single, and everybody else was married. And so we'd go to the, um, you know, we go to the little um, staff, you know, picnic or gatherings or whatever, and I always kind of felt weird. And, and uh, you know, people, it, it wasn't totally trying to set me up with folks. But you know, you kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew will get it together and get a wife and some kids and, you know, it'll be okay. And um, so, you know, there was a there was some of that. But I remember people in my ministry area, I, I remember running into a guy like a month later, and he was like, man, we thought you must have failed morally or something, the way it all ended and the way, you know, it, it oh, you man. went out the door and no one really said anything. And it was so hush hush. And I was like, 
no, <laughs> that's, that's not what happened, but I guess that's the way it looked from the outside. So even some of the people in my ministry um, and, and some of those folks came forward with me and, and we continued in relationship, but in many cases, yeah, it was just kind of a departure. So, right. So I think that highlights something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is we'd like to believe that our church relationships are so deep and meaningful and uh, interconnected. But when things like this happen, they actually prove the opposite, don't they? They prove that actually we're only as good as we are. We're only as connected as we are useful, right, to one another. Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, I I think that's true. And then the other thing is I think, you know, um, most churches don't like anything messy. You know, it's just we don't don't want messy. Messy is bad. all right. It needs it needs to be homogenized and whitewashed, and you know it. You know, it, I don't know. Or or you go, you're sent away, and then you yep. figure that out in this away time, and then when you yeah. come back, you know. It's oh man, okay. you're tempting me to rant right now, Andrew. So that's this is one of my my hot buttons too. I just it makes yeah. me crazy. Yeah, that the little the the church kind of becomes this little engine, and as soon as you like, you know, yeah. spit they spit you out because you're you're not if you're not. Yeah making the engine run anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the definition of success, right? Because it's very interesting that that's what sort of sent you spit you out of the machine, if you will, is that you thought you were being successful because you were reaching people mm-hmm. like that was the goal. And then they right. were like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? That's not how right. you do it. Yeah. They, they wanted, there was an eight thirty AM uh, Bible uh, Sunday school. I think they probably still call it at the time. And I was not growing that 8.30, Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m. And I was responsible for, you know, uh, college age and single adults and whatever else. And I wasn't growing my numbers to in attendance to the Sunday school class at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. And here I was, and, they, and I was actually told this by, um, so we shared a um, church secretary. And uh, I was told by her and uh, then my direct report, um, supervisor that we I was our I was feeding and entertaining people who were never even going to come to our church. And I'm thinking the, yeah. I'm thinking that's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was, I was like, yes. And the problem is what? You know, because uh, you know, the church was in uh, downtown Denver and really close to the Auraria campus. And oh, yeah. You know, and so I would go over to the area campus and I try to do some stuff and whatever else. And and like I said, we had this uh, we I took the, the certain area of the church and I kind of brought in I rented tables from outside and we we had set this coffee shop and we'd have artists come in and play music. And, you know, I was trying to do that whole thing. And of course, this was, you know, years ago. But, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I would have some success in getting these people that, you know, um, because I was trying to create environments that were outside of them coming on Sunday because they would come on Sunday and there would be the alliteration in the church program where, you know, a meant this and B meant that. And, and <laughs> that would lose them because they weren't into that. That's not where they were, right. They weren't into, you know, everything being, you know, so, so that's, yeah. So I, I, um, so success for me was, you know, I'm having significant conversations with people who, who don't know Jesus and might benefit from, well, I knew they would benefit from knowing Jesus, but that's what I was doing. And I was being successful at that. And like I said, we'd had a retreat and there people made some significant decisions. And so again, I, I felt like that's, so I was successful. Um, 
and I, and it, but I, I guess, I don't know if I didn't see it. I don't know if I should have seen it coming. I don't know if, you know, if I was, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was a big shock and surprise. And so, um, and it, yeah, and it just kind of sent me into this tailspin of, of identity or lack of identity or wondering right. what my identity was. Yeah. So what I, so I'm just quietly incensed on your behalf here as I'm listening, because the, the definition what they wanted for success was bring people to the church, yes, not exactly. bring people to Jesus. We don't right. need that. That's not, we're not, that's not good. We want to bring right. people to our church because, you know, obviously this benefits everybody financially and keeps the engine running. Um, wow. Okay. I just, that makes me so furious and I can well, t- you know, tell you defense, so many <laughs> in defense, I think, I think the idea was there was a very, very popular pastor and significant pastor and uh, both locally, regionally, nationally significant pastor. And I think the idea was we'll get them to church, they'll hear him teach. And then that's what, you know, that's our, that's our formula, right? Uh, get them in the building, hear them teach. And that's the formula. So anything outside of that was, I don't know. And so, like I said, you know, maybe from their perspective, yeah, I don't know yeah. what the perspective. So. Well, you're very kind, and so that's that's nice of you. What bothers me is that it's you're not the only one, right? It's it's not right. just this isn't just a, a situation that happened at your church. This is a picture. It's a little sure. snapshot of yeah. American evangelicalism and what we value, and mm-hmm. that is a problem. So, friends, I'm just gonna drive this home, and then we're gonna move on because I want to hear more about your about your how you came through that identity crisis there. Uh, friends, don't like ser- seriously. Look at your church. Ask your pastors. Well, are we trying to get people in the doors or are we trying to reach people for Christ? There is a big difference and it does matter. Okay. So, Andrew, you go on to this, you leave, people want, are wondering, uh oh, what, what were you doing? And you're trying to have to find your identity again. And so, sounds like that was a dark night of the soul. Describe it for us. Was, were there certain things that the Lord, took away from your identity? And what was it that he gave you as an identity as you went through that? Um, you know, I kind of joke about uh, starting off in a, in a tiny church and then, and then becoming more liberal and going to the big Southern Baptist. But mm-hmm. I think, I think I saw, you know, an even bigger God at that point um, that, you know, way outside the denomination even, you know, um, and so I think that was a, a an opportunity to see things uh, from a, more unlimited perspective, a bigger perspective than um, looking back on it. Um, I think that, you know, I could have stayed in my lane and I could have done whatever, you know, I could have made people happy, I guess. And I could have gotten, you know, maybe, right. I, I don't think so, because I think at a point that crisis and that, that uh, headbutt would have happened at a point anyway, because, it, but, um, but I think, yeah, so I think it was a, it was bigger. Um, and I found, I found a lot of grace in two or three people that were involved in other churches and other denominations that I had known through kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, ecumenical gatherings, which ecumenical is sometimes is interesting, but, but just in in places where we were all together because we were leaders in, in certain areas of ministry in Denver. And, and so, and I would, I I remember um, a couple of people in particular, and I would just go and have one, I'd say like, what do you think? You know, what, what, what happened here? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and they, those, those individuals were really helpful um, and extended a lot of grace and kindness and patience um, and didn't really try to, the good news was no one was really trying to tell me what I needed to do next. It was just more, um, you know, listening and, uh, allowing me that time to kind of go through that and figure things out, um, 
which, awesome. which again, I think turned into a lot bigger. Yeah. Which is, which is great. That's good to have friends who are able to listen and counsel without telling you what to do. Right. 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 That sounds like you had a good time. So what was it? Uh, so you, where'd you go from there? You, you went through the season where you were like, okay, trying to figure, figure yeah. this out. Was, was God present in that time or did it feel like he was far away? What was it like? Um, well, I think God was present. I felt that's where I kind of learned that I think that there are seasons in your life. I think there's mm. seasons where you feel like God's close. And then I think there's seasons maybe when you don't really feel like God's close. And I think both are fine in a way. I don't think that, you know, you, you know, and um, so, like I said, it was like a mist in a fog. Did I ever think God had abandoned me? No, I, I honestly, I, I never did. Um, I never lost any kind of faith. I never lost any kind of, I just think I didn't understand it. Like, I just felt like I'm not getting it. Um, there's something bigger beyond. Um, uh, I'm a thing. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> The book is called Think Big, but I mean, I'm, I'm a th I'm really a think big guy, I, but I just felt like, okay, so I've hit some plateau and I've got to find the bigger path to the bigger area that, that's, that's out there for me because this was too small. Um, and so, so, you know, and then I, so I tried a church plant. So I, I hooked up with some people and I tried to start a church mm. in Northwest Denver and they created a couple of small groups and started going through a couple of books at that point, um, a couple of good books had come out and we, I did a study on those with some people and, um, and tried to do a church plant and it, it ultimately it wasn't, it wasn't successful. I mean, it had some attraction and I think it accomplished some good things, but that's not what it was. And so here I was again, still trying to figure out, well, what does this identity mean? What am I supposed to do? Um, and, um, and so that's kind of what I tried to do next. Um, but then again, that, you know, it wasn't ultimately successful from mm -hmm. a, you know, sustainability type thing. Yeah. So where'd you go from there? What, what ended up happening? So, well, the interesting thing is I ended up getting married um, I, uh, it, as a part of starting this church plant, um, there was a, I needed a, we, uh, Red Rocks campus. And so we were going to, we booked a room there and I needed, I had a, um, a sound system on loan. And so I needed a truck to bring the sound system to Red Rocks. And then I had a friend who was on staff with me as an intern back at the church, uh, the most the previous church. And he said, well, I've got a friend and, and he wanted us to you know, meet his good friend, which was Heather and me. And so he's like, and she's got a great truck. And uh, so anyway, so um, she brought the truck uh, that I was able to use, or I was able to borrow the truck and bring the sound equipment over. And over time, short period of time, like four, four months, five months, six months, um, um, we got to know each other. And so, and then what she did was she had just taken a job. She lived in Evergreen here. And she had taken a job in Texas. And so uh, she put her, you know, most of her belongings in the back of the truck and a couple of horses in the back of the truck and in the trailer. And then said, hey, when I find an apartment, well, can I pay you to move my stuff down? And we had thought that we were friends, um, but that separation, when I, she found the apartment, I moved the stuff down. Uh, we realized that, that uh, we really, really missed each other. And the sparks <laughs> flew uh, all of a sudden and, so we were married four months later. And, um, so then I, so then I sold the house and moved to Texas. Um, and so in Texas, uh, you know, I was like, what am I going to do down here? Um, 
and that's you know so then i got into real estate because um uh you know I, that's that's i was just trying to figure out you know practically speaking what do i do to make money in this brand new place uh while she has uh, you know was pursuing the job that she she had been given so yeah. i know that's like a really quick Sure, you're covering. We covered, you're covering a, some, we covered covered a lot of ground there in a very short period of time. That's but ultimately that's, okay. that's what that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So it's interesting too. First of all, you know, you found your wife because she had a truck. That's pretty cool. So that's awesome. Not, right? I haven't heard that story before. She that's had a good. truck, and I needed a truck. And it was a nice <laughs> truck. I like the truck a lot. Sometimes the Lord uh, works yeah. things out that way, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, super cool. And then. Um, you know, and so he kind of, he led you there and you found, kind of found your, found your, uh, thing in real estate. Is that right? Yeah. So we, when we went down there, um, you know, we spent some time just getting everything set up and we had a one bedroom apartment and all the boxes and we had kind of a path to the bedroom. And I remember we had three dogs at the time. So three dogs in a one bedroom apartment full of boxes. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, you know, it was, Pretty quickly, it became about trying to find our place to live down there, something to buy. And so through the process of buying, and it was interesting that the uh, the real estate agents that we were working with at the time, one was the deacon at the local church, and one was a former pastor at the local church. And and they turned into, it was like the most unethical, horrible experience I've ever had. Um, and so I was like, man, you know, so after finding our house and buying our house and all that we went through with that, I thought, well, I could sell houses, you know, <laughs> so I, I think I could do a better job and be more professional than, than these folks. And so, um, and my dad growing up was a contractor and a remodeling contractor. So I'd always kind of liked houses. I would enjoyed So since I was 12 summers and weekends, I went to work with him all the time. That was what I had to do. Um, and, um, and so I had some skills in, in like, you know, housing, I guess. Um, and then I was kind of, you know, and I had the ability to talk to people and I was, you know, do some marketing and, and make things look pretty, uh, that came through, you know, just, you know, newsletters and brochures and flyers for the church and all that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, that all, all combined. And I thought, well, I should do this. So I went to school, uh, at Texoma real estate school. It took like eight weeks and, and I got a license. And then I was the realtor, the rookie of the year in the local realtor association, uh, you know, because I had a website and I, and I rented a full color ad in the local guide, you know, really rudimentary marketing skills, but it, it rocked the world of the people who were down there in this little sleepy area of, of North Texas. And, um, and so I had, had a lot of success. And so I was like, wow, well, this is, you know, this is what I need to be doing. So I kind of thought I had left ministry altogether, I guessed, and then I was going to just start selling real estate. And it felt a little bit of a, a disconnect. Because, you know, um, and was that okay? You know, um, I remember at the time of thinking I was going to ask Heather to marry me because it was, it was quick and it seemed maybe unwise or, you know, something. And then here again, remember, I've got this whole background that says that there's one perfect person. And if you miss them, it's, you know, boy, it's just going to, you know, send yeah. you into the abyss. Um, so there were people at the time, I had, I think I had two or three people, three people who would pray for me. So I would go and meet with them on occasion and they would kind of pray. And each one of them came back and said, no, we think this is, I think this is what you're supposed to do. We think this is fine. We think she's, you know, you should do this. Um, and so I felt like I knew it was, it was right, but it was really different. And it was a whole different definition from anything previous. Um, so yeah, that was, that was big stuff. So I guess I left the church job and maybe 96 and this was 2000. So about four years in between those two things. 
Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I, I'm really fascinated by your struggle a little bit with like, Hey, is this okay as a, as a profession for me to go into this? Right. Because you were. Well, it was more about is Heather. I mean, is it okay oh, for okay. me to ask this person to marry me yeah. when there's been this brief period of time and this is not the way I thought it was going to look and you know, whatever. So, so it was that. Um, and then it was more about when I was in Texas, it was more about, okay, I've, you know, I spent the first few months working on that. We bought a, an acreage property there, 30 acres, and it's an old farmstead and we had, you know, for the horses and whatnot. And then, so I worked on fixing everything up and remodeling things and, you know, all that. I got done. I was done. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? You know, I'm, um, I, I need something to do with my day. Um, and so that's where, you know, so I thought, well, shoot, I'll, I'll try real estate and then found success there. Um, and so just really kind of leaned into real estate. Uh, from that point on, I mean, we would always, I would always volunteer at churches and then at a church there in Texas, I was on kind of a rotation to teach every once in a while. Um, um, but, um, yeah, so we would always just volunteer and be a part in that regard. Yeah. So how did you find, so you kind of, this all led you up, but as you maybe take us through the next, whatever season, um, as you're discovering, you know, your success in real estate and your finding yourself there, maybe it's not even related to to your work. Maybe it's just related to being more comfortable with making this decision to get married and doing all these things and being okay with that. Like, how was that different? Maybe it's a question I want to ask from the sort of pursuing and not feeling like you fit before, you know, in, in ministry. Growing up, the the self-help aisle was to be avoided at the bookstore. Okay. Like the personal development or self-help or, mm-hmm. um, because that was all substitutes for like the Holy Spirit's work in your heart or whatever the Bible said. And so that was the people that, you know, that was kind of a competing voice with, you know, faith or yeah, with theology the and whatever else with the Bible. Not, everything should be found in the Bible. Not everything uh, <laughs> has to be found inside the Bible. And you should nobody's you know, had a walk, good thought since. <laughs> walk past those rows. And so I had, um, and I think what real estate did, because over time, you know, my leadership skills are have always been there. And um, and so over time I was kind of asked to be a leader in real estate. And then I and then I was about, you know, um uh, you know, 10 years right. ago we had the bankruptcy or whatever else. And then after that, it was this growth into personal development. But what I found out is all these authors that I really listen to today that help shape who I am and, and what I believe they're, they're quoting scripture. I mean, the, <laughs> right. literally the ones, the ones that I'm listening to most, Jim Rohn, uh, Brian Tracy, some of the people that I listen to that are considered personal they literally are telling the story of the talents. I mean, that's Jim Rohn's, one of his most famous things is the story that he's telling the story of the talent. So this was what was on the self-help aisle. If I had gone over there were Christians who had a background in faith and uh, believe the Bible and so forth. And so it was kind of interesting. Um, and I think the real estate thing kind of let me get over there yep. um, in a way that um, I, you know, I guess, had to get outside the church, right. To get to where I could go over and hear some other voices and uh, read some other things. And, and, but, but I found God right there. I mean, yes. bigger than inside the church, even. Andrew, um, I, I love that. And I resonate with it so much. So here's an experience that I had very similar where, when I started, I moved jobs I, it's from one where I was waiting for a phone call on a call center to 
getting to where I um, had to actually work every day. <laughs> I had to click <laughs> buttons, you know? So I switched to podcasting from reading blogs and I found uh, quickly all the people that I was listening to were actually Christians, right? A right. Lot, a lot of them, you know, Cliff Ravenscraft and Michael Hyatt and some of these other, other guys that I was listening to, they, they all had this sort of Christian background and their, their philosophy of give in order to receive, right? So give, give away, give all of your stuff, just be as generous as you can. And then, you know, eventually that flows back to you, which is Zig Ziglar, right? You can help as many people as mm -hmm. you want, or you can, you can get anything you want in life. If you help as mm -hmm. enough people find what they want in life. Right. Right. So, um, that just kind of blew my mind. And it, so, but I hear you saying something similar, like you're, you're listening to all these people and you're finding they're actually Christians. Now what I'm, what I'm also connection I'm making is they discipled you in a way beyond what you probably could have been discipled, even going into ministry. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I, I was introduced to the concept of abundance, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Christians are supposed to live the abundant life, um, but within limits, obviously, I guess. Um, because if you were successful and rich and wealthy, then you probably weren't. I mean, it was kind of a disconnect between being a, a good right. Christian and getting there because that's, you know, there was something immoral and unethical. And this was just my own baggage, but that I brought to the whole idea that, uh, you know, you couldn't really be wealthy without cutting corners and being evil or, you know, or, or lying or cheating or stealing or, you know, there had to be fraud involved if you were a super wealthy person. Yeah. Um, or, you know, at least, you know, you were trusting money over God or your priorities and, and so forth. So the values were so but, but this is where I learned about abundance and and which is totally God. I mean, abundance is, you know, we create limitation. There is no limitation other than what we create. Otherwise, there's all this abundance. And, and I understood what it meant to be a co-creator with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that whole, I can go create because I've been made as a creative person and I can go create abundance and I can create wealth and I can create anything I can create that God has given me the passion and the ability and the, uh, you know, the vision for, um, or, and I can create, you know, uh, there's no limitation to that. So that I learned all that, you know, basically through the real estate side and then, and then being a, managing broker and then being a broker owner, um, I all of a sudden realized I had people that I was shepherding. Mm -hmm. I, the concepts that I taught at sales meetings and at training seminars and the coaching that I did was all biblically based stuff. It's the principles are from the Bible. I didn't have a chapter and verse that I stuck with it on the, you know, the PowerPoint slide, yep. but I was leading people in their lives in a way that was very, um, you know, very much Christianity, very much based in what I believe about God and the Bible and what the Bible teaches about what Jesus wants for us. And so I just started being a pastor of a group of people that were actually agents and not inside a church. And, and if I'd ever, and if I'd stayed inside the church, I wouldn't have ever had the influence that I was able to have. Right. Um, and so I began to see it that way, not, not from a manipulative way, not like I was just insidiously, you know, kind of sticking Bible into these people's lives, but it was just, it was, uh, it, you know, it was very symbiotic or it was very yeah. much in, in line. Uh, and so I kind of came full circle back around to, okay, now you're the pastor. Isn't that um, fascinating? You're the, so, you're the teacher, you're the coach, you're the trainer, you're the one that's leading people to abundance in their lives and a better life. And 
Yeah. And so here we are. So yeah. that all reconnected, but it was a, you know, it was, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a, uh, quite the, quite the learning curve. Yeah. Well, so that's so fascinating. I think this happens all the time where we find people see those gifts in us. People saw your leadership gift. They saw that you were a shepherd. They didn't necessarily, you know, that didn't fit inside of a church structure. I could rant about that for a long time, but it, it is who you were. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you had to go through some things to be able to do that probably uh, from the place of humility and joy that you're able to do it now is what I'm hearing. Right. Um, which, which is, which is great, but I love that God kind of brought you full circle. I want to talk about the book because you, you, so is it, you contributed a chapter to this book? Is that what it is? Yeah, there's, there's a book called think big and I was invited to um, I've always been looking for what I call rooms of people um, where I can get in the room and and learn and watch people grow that are growing people that are um aligned with, you know, my own values and things. And so I've, I found this, you know, quote unquote room of people. And, uh, and as part of that, I was invited to contribute to a book. Um, and so I wrote a chapter and the chapter is basically, you know, kind of a story of a very shortened abridged story of my life. And about 10 years ago, well, 2009, so it's 10, 11, 12 years now, um, a bankruptcy that was crushing, um, and, you know, crushing like the, um, the you know, the the quitting of the church ministry position, yeah. there was another crushing. Was um, that because of the crisis, the housing crisis? Well, or? not necessarily, no. Actually, it was a little bit before that. It was just because uh, we were kind of didn't, <laughs> uh, you know, we weren't really taught much about money at all. I mean, mm-hmm. we just didn't know. Um, and, and the principles and things. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's um, and I think I share a little bit about some of that background, but um, so we ended up bankrupt in which I never thought ever I would, that would ever be a possibility for my life. That's for other people or, you know, I don't know, there was some judgment there probably, but here we were. And, um, but that's really when, um, the, this, this path of, uh, this trajectory started. So I, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of put that into a chapter, um, and, and then worked through the process with an editor and so forth. So, um, it, it came out and there was about, I think there's about 30, 30 folks in there and, um, in the book. And so it came out as an Amazon, uh, it was introduced three or four months ago in Amazon and it's an Amazon bestseller in like 22 categories. And, um, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of, uh, my, my own journey from that, um, a, a little bit prior to the bankruptcy, the bankruptcy is kind of where it starts and then how, um, I've learned to be successful and and the lessons and, and kind of the philosophy that I've, I have uh, understood since that time and what's kind of gotten me to this point now. So yeah, that's, that's what that chapter is about. Yeah. I love that. sounds like a really great opportunity. Um, Man, I think that's good. Uh, So if you had to like summarize one, one word or one, one sentence, how, what you've kind of what you've learned over the last, you know, through, through that whole process, what would you say? So I guess what I would say is that, you know, I have learned with myself, and I believe this is for everybody, um, every human, um, there's there's really unlimited potential. Um, 
And that, again, like I said before, abundance is all around us, and we're the ones that are creating any limitation that there is. And I think that we can, if we have a growth mindset, I think that mm. we can become anything we can imagine. Um, and I think God is in that imagining. I think God is in that vision. And um, and I think that God, there's so much that um, that God has for us and wants for us. And I think we stay really small. So I am about trying to help people that are interested in that kind of a transition or transformation or, um, you know, from where I am today and some kind of a brokenness and the brokenness is where we start. I think, um, mm. um, there's a, there's a, there's a cancer part of my story a few years ago. Um, and there was another, okay, what's going to happen. So, but I think that's where it all starts. And, um, and, the, and then we, I think we can grow exponentially out of brokenness. And so I'm, I'm just interested in helping folks along the way. And I don't necessarily know exactly how that looks. Honestly, I don't really have a, it's going to be, you know, step one, step two, step three. Um, but well, I'm really, I'm really excited about that though. It doesn't work that way, does it? It's no, it not doesn't. a step one, so step two, step three. So I'm not it's, even trying. <laughs> it's a piece of art. It's not, uh, it's not paint by numbers, right? No, it's you're a, right. It's a you're masterpiece. Right. I think that yeah. is so true. Being willing to embrace that friends is probably one of the most important things you can do. Certainly. I love what you said about mindset as well. All right. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for being here, sharing some of your story. I'm inspired. I re resonate with so much of it. I know my other friends who are listening are inspired as well. Uh, is there anything you want to leave us with? Well, I would just say that um, if someone wants that chapter, you can buy the book. It's called Think Big on Amazon.com. Um, I am uh, hopefully by the time the podcast comes out, you'll have the ability to go to andrewmcwilliams.com. Um, and I'm in the process of getting that all set up. And if someone just wants a copy of that chapter, I can send it to them in PDF format. So they don't have to pay for it. It's uh, the book I think is, you know, six bucks on Kindle and, you know, something in the teens on Amazon, but be happy to send them that, uh, that chapter. They just go to Amazon, uh, andrewmcwilliams.com and put in their email address and I'll send them the chapter and that can get them started. That's perfect. As always, friends, I've got links at halfwaytherepodcast.com as well. Go there. And you can connect to Andrew. Andrew, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Really appreciate it.